0: Lights out and welcome back to the Finishing First podcast. I am your host, Mr. Frank Skorjewski at the F 609, joined as always by my co host, Mr. Michael O'Burn. Mike, how are we?
1: We're tired, Frank. Back to back wedding weekends. The tank's on E, but we're ready to talk about Azerbaijan. Let's get it going.
0: We apologize for not giving you a Baku preview. Uh, it was a busy week here at the Skorjewski household with my wife's 30th birthday, and we did some traveling to Annapolis this weekend, so I, we were not able to get off the preview. What I would have told you in the preview is something that we would go in on, and that is, I think there was gonna be a lot of DNFs. You were right. But we will get right into the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, but first, um, I do appreciate people sending in some questions. Uh, I did not realize that I made it a required field, but I do appreciate the people that actually did submit questions, whether you're being serious or not. Um, I do appreciate it.
1: Frank, we are an explicit podcast. Feel free to throw those out there.
0: You know, I, I just, I, we don't need to. We don't need to. Once again, I uh, want to go into a hot topic regarding our pool, and that is duplicates. Please make sure that you're paying attention. We had uh, three people submit duplicates this week that I had to reach out to to get updated drivers. Um One person did not give me an updated driver and got a least available qualifying person, I guess, in Mick Schumacher. But um, just continue to make sure you're not submitting duplicates. Uh, It's a big part of this, and you're going to start to uh, be upset once you realize it. Especially as we get closer to having less races remaining, you'll have less drivers available.
1: You're a nice guy for
0: reaching out, F. I try. But we appreciate you. We can't do it. You can't do it all. Sometimes, you know, my schedule, your schedule. I understand these things happen. No one has seemed to be too upset when it's happened so far. So I do appreciate everybody's understanding when I do reach out about that.
1: In 10 years, when we uh, we have thousands and thousands of entrants into this pool and we are uh, pseudo celebrities in the F1 space, are you going to reach out to every single buddy that that puts in a duplicate pick?
0: No, because I'll have a secretary at that point, or it will be AI automated.
1: That's fair. We'll we'll be in the metaverse, and we'll have a virtual secretary.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right, we will get right into the Azerbaijan Grand Prix review. Um, Mike, the Baku City Circuit was everything it was cracked up to be in the sense of another street circuit, a beautiful landscape. It was a very unique circuit. Yeah. Um, at times playing just dead straight, and then at other times very twisty and turny, especially in that castle section. Practice, I didn't see a ton of action. Um, I watched all three practice sections. Uh, Nothing really stood out. Obviously, Lance Stroll was gonna run into a wall here and there. I thought the biggest notes were the Alpha Towery. Duo looking strong in Yuki and Gasly at different points in the practice sessions as long with uh, Fernando Alonso and Sebastian Vettel. I did pick Sebastian Vettel, so I will be talking about him a lot, but we will also be talking about that duo of Yuki, Gasly, and uh, Alonso in the Alpine because they were the three most selected this week. Um, those four people were paying attention and it seemed like a good week with the unpredictability to go into that kind of midfield and see what kind of points you could get. And as we'll go into later, um, it paid off for a few people.
1: It definitely did. I took Pierre Gasly and I will talk about it a little later. Uh, if you told me at the beginning of the week that I would get P five out of him, I would be ecstatic and I would take it and run. After watching the race, I'm actually coming away a little bit disappointed, but we can get into that in a little
0: bit. So we will um, shoot right into qualifying here. I will go down with the finishing results from Q3 on qualifying. Charles Leclerc is on pull. I will continue to say Charles Leclerc. I hope that is the correct pronunciation. I've been getting some slack on the uh, listeners here on my Charles Leclerc, Chuck LeClarc formally. I can't get that video out of my head, so I just continue to say it. I actually just removed the C. When writing it now, so I can try to pronunciate it better, but he did receive pole position. Um, Sergio Perez coming in second, Max Verstappen, Carlos Sainz, George Russell running out the top five, Pierre Gasly, Lewis Hamilton, Yuki Tsunoda, Sebastian Vettel, and Fernando Alonso running out the top ten. The drivers that I mentioned in practice, no surprise, come here on the top ten in Gasly, Tsunoda, Vettel, and Alonso. They turned in what looked to be strong performances at practice and having strong vehicles to qualifying results. Charles Leclerc looked phenomenal. And Sergio Perez out qualifies Max Verstappen once again. Mike, what were your thoughts of uh, qualifying?
1: there wasn't much that happened in qualifying that I thought was actually worth note. I think the thing of most note was that the track was much cooler than for both practice and for the race itself, which you have to wonder if that impacted finishing positions. Uh, I guess I haven't said many nice things about him on this podcast, but Zhou Guan Yu had a really great Q1 in qualifying. So we'll throw that out there as a nice thing to say about uh, Zhou Guan Yu. That'll probably be the last nice thing we have to say about Joe Guan Yu on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, Botas with a really close call, almost not making it out of Q1. Uh, it was an, I remember I was watching the broadcast and it was like an absurd amount of Q1s that he's gotten through. It's like 140 plus straight Q1s he's gotten through. And he's just been on the line twice this year. And this week was one of them. Uh, I really can't wait for Papa Stroll to sell the team so we don't have to watch Lance Stroll race a race car anymore. He put it in the wall twice uh, in qualifying, so that was cool.
0: The Stroll double-doink led Q1 um, and actually calls the most bit of news that we had in Q1. The red flag, uh, Stroll seemed to clip a barrier, and then a couple turns later just rammed it right into the wall. It seemed like he lost uh, maybe some steering or a brake and he just hit the wall. This red flag left two minutes and 30 seconds to be had in Q1. So all the drivers lined up on the pit lane to exit immediately to try to get their outlap in and then cross the checker flag before the two minutes and 30 seconds was up. So then they could have a flying lap go at uh, the Q1 final qualifying. Alonzo goes off during that lap causing the Williams to be held up who once again missed Q2. Also the Haas duo of Kevin Magnussen and Mick Schumacher out in Q1. Q2 seemed to be pretty standard. Um I'm not sure who goes out. Uh, both McLarens go out not really sure who he lost out to. Maybe Vettel or Alonso. There, Yuki Tsunoda and Fernando Alonso. Only by um about a third of a second, so it wasn't too much of a gap there. Q three, um, Sign shows an early pole and posts the best time. Final laps come around. Leclerc sets down the pole position lap, followed by Perez and then Max Verstappen coming in third in qualifying overall anything of a real note other than the finishing order
1: can we get into a little bit of conspiracy corner with the red bulls
0: i guess we have to move into the race preview to do that but it's weird isn't it
1: well no so sergio came out in front i'm sorry sergio perez came out behind max in q3 and max was noted on the radio asking like why is Sergio not in front of me? And they stated that it was a fueling issue, that Sergio wasn't fueled up and ready to go before. Generally, for those of you that don't know, in qualifying, the number two driver will go out first to theoretically give a toe to the number one driver to get them a faster lap to qualify faster. Um, but Sergio Perez did not come out in front of Max. Max went out first, Sergio came out second, and then Sergio ends up qualifying ahead of Max And finishes on the first row when Max is stuck behind him. So I don't think there's an actual conspiracy here, but I thought it was funny given what happened last race.
0: You never know what teams do in their own shops in between drivers is very interesting. Even just from a uh, recent setup, it seems like Perez is the qualifying car. It seems like Max is the race car. And there's a difference
1: for sure. It definitely had everybody thinking for the first couple of laps of this race, given how close Max and Sergio are together in the standings of like, is there a new number one driver at Red Bull? And then by the end of the race, you're like, there's absolutely not a new number one driver at Red Bull, but it was fun to think about it for a while.
0: And you don't know, you don't, some circumstances will be different and different tracks might play to either driver. We won't know. Let's go right into our race review of the Baku City Circuit in Azerbaijan. Master Sapping solidifies his position in the Drivers' Championship with a win. Sergio Perez closes out the Red Bull 1-2, coming in second. George Russell coming in third to round out the podium. Followed right behind his teammate, Lewis Hamilton. Pierre Gasly, as Mike said earlier, with a great P5. Sebastian Vettel, my selection this week, with P6. Fernando Alonso, the duo of Ricardo and Norris coming in eighth and ninth and Esteban Ocon finishing out for the Alpines in tenth. It was a race with a lot of drama considering once again, we were missing two big names on the top 10 leaderboard in Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz, both Ferraris posting DNFs early in the race. Mike. Before we get into that and all of it, can you give me just uh, your short word for review of the uh, Azerbaijan Grand Prix? Ferrari power units suck. That's the review. Do we want to do switch it up or are we still on the power unit? I know we're going to go into some power unit talk later.
1: We're adding a word, Ferrari power units. That we're adding a word to it, Frank, that that's the theme of this of this race. There were multiple power unit failures, not just from Ferrari team cars, but from Ferrari branded power units in other cars. So it was obviously a problem. It was dumb hot out there It was 47 degrees Celsius, which I don't even know what that is in Fahrenheit. What is it? Double it and add 20. So like 115 degrees on the track, something like that. Um, 117 degrees, it was really, really hot. You were bound to get some failures of some parts, uh, when it gets that hot out there, I mentioned it earlier when we were talking about qualifying, you have to wonder if qualifying results when it was cooler and you can get more grip on that track affected kind of what happened in qualifying versus what happened in this race. But I think that's kind of what it comes down to is the Ferrari power units just couldn't hold up in that heat.
0: It's a problem. And it has led to uh, a fall from grace.
1: Yeah, so we mentioned Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. Uh, the other two individuals who DNF'd in this race were Kevin Magnuson and Joe Guan Yu, mentioned earlier. We're not going to say many more nice things about Joe Guan Yu, but Kevin Magnuson also DNFs and they also run Ferrari power units in their cars.
0: Right at the top with the Perez hot start beating Charles Leclerc off the line into turn one and taking the early lead. The Carlos signs brake issue caused him to turn off track, leading to a virtual safety car in lap nine. He would not return to the track. This virtual safety car allowed teams to make pit stops. The Ferraris, immediately realizing that they had a one-driver race, chose to pit stop under that and put Charles Leclerc on a long stint on the hard tires. This allowed... Perez to take the lead, followed by Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen seems to easily pass Sergio Perez around lap 15. It was lap 15, yeah. We could get into a team order stalk and maybe even a little bit of conspiracy theory, but Max had the race pace, as I said earlier, and Checo would not have stood a chance to come into uh, an actual race with Max Verstappen at that point after lap 18 max versappen and sergio perez both pit this allows charles leclerc to take the lead of the race ferrari's gamble on pitting under the virtual safety car seems to pay off and charles leclerc leads the race the only problem with that mike he led for a lap in lap 20 he begins to smoke out of his engine causing a retirement from your driver in second place in the driver's championship standings.
1: Yeah, another obviously really disappointing uh, circumstance for Charles, of which was out of his control. It, it could have been a lot well actually i don't want to say it could have been a lot worse but before charles retired it could have been a lot worse his wheels locked up off the start like you mentioned but then he also had like an amazing save where he could have gone directly into the wall and his race could have been over like in the first lap so it's kind of actually a little bit lucky that he made it to lap 20 um you talked about the uh, cars taking uh their pit stop under the virtual safety car uh It was actually, I I don't know, when I saw it, I thought it was way too early given what they were talking about pre-race and this really being like a one-stop track and having to go 40-something laps on this really hot track on hard tires seemed like a stretch. And the Sky Sports commentating team seemed to be talking about kind of the same thing. That was the question before Charles went out was, is he going to be able to last the remainder of the race if he did, if he did finish, which obviously he did not, um, almost didn't really pay much attention to the Red Bulls, not going in under the safety car. Um, which for me, it was kind of like a question again, I don't, I don't know much. I'm still a novice to the sport, but it was like, shouldn't they be going in under the safety car? Like it, it, you're going to save yourself 10 seconds, but ultimately in the long run, it was the better strategy to stay out,
0: over um radio it was even said to first happen he asked if leclerc pitted and got a free pit stop yeah and his uh engineer came back and he was like I don't know how to say yes to this, but yes, he got a free pit stop. It seemed like it happened too quick, and actually Ferrari, against what happened at Monaco, they made a quick decision within 10 seconds, and he was in the pits immediately. He was actually just in that perfect part of the lap, coming back to pit lane, and uh, Leclerc pitted immediately, and it seemed like the Red Bulls weren't able to make that decision immediately, and it could have hurt if... Uh, there was another virtual safety car a or a red flag that would have led to um, another pit stop a free pit stop Leclerc made have might have been able to use that in the lead um, it didn't seem like the Ferrari strategy it didn't play out obviously but from that standpoint i thought it was a good call they took the lead of the race and held on to it and that was the idea with the early pit stop it just happened that it didn't pay out um once the red bulls came in and pitted because as i said Charles was only able to hold the lead f- for one lap before retiring. Let's go into two questions from our audience here. The first one: Will Carlos Sainz win a race this year?
1: No, unless I mean unless both unless both Red Bulls like go into the wall and Charles like has a heart attack behind the wheel. Like I just don't see. God forbid. Uh, I, I just I just don't see Carlos Sainz having. Number one, the pace or two, like the willingness to push that Ferrari enough to get him a win.
0: I feel bad. This is just not a Carlos Sainz podcast. We can have Tom on again to speak highly of the Ferraris. Uh, Maybe not recently, we'll speak highly, but um, maybe give them their fair shot at this question. But I do not think so. Um, Anything can happen. It just seems uninspired. He's had some bad luck. I understand it, but I'm just not a believer. So I'm going to say um, no as well. We'll have to mark that down in the archives, see if we uh, put our foot in the mouth and have to eat our words. The second question was uh, the first question we received. Why does Ferrari suck balls?
1: I I won't go. I won't go that far. Um, I don't think Ferrari sucks balls. I think they have one of one of, if not the best car on the grid right now. It's just, unfortunately, it, it, you know what, it's funny, Frank. We were having these conversations at the beginning of the year about Red Bull reliability and if Red Bull can keep their car on the track from like a mechanical standpoint. And now, I mean, that's just the question about Ferrari. The question isn't, is the car good enough? The question isn't the driver, are the drivers not good enough? Because I, I mean, we talked some shit about Carlos Sainz, but he is a good, he is a good driver. Um, and obviously Charles Leclerc is a great driver but they just can't keep their cars on the track. That's what it comes down to. It's just DNS.
0: Yes, and I mentioned that I would have predicted around this number five DNS for this type of race. The Ferrari power unit may be a separate conversation that we need to have, but I believe this is what happens in any year when you change regulations and force these teams to develop brand new vehicles. These are things that last year when you're watching, or um, if you were watching prior to that, you might not have seen these reliability issues because they were well-oiled machines at this point. That is the fourth or fifth year in the generation of car. This is the first year and teams just don't know if they have this small problem that they cannot identify, they're going to continue to have this problem. And if it does happen, it leads to other problems that now lead to um, them not finishing the race or the car not being able to finish the race. So I don't know if it's something that will be only specifically targeted towards the Ferrari power unit, but it was not a good look.
1: No, no. Yeah, Um, I guess we can talk about it now. Uh, I mean, uh, an amazing in my eyes result for Mercedes this weekend.
0: Well, here, what's Uh, you know what? We'll go right into that because Basically, after the retirement of Charles Leclerc, nothing happened in this race. Um, It was a Red Bull 1-2 from the moment that he DNF'd. Um, They had no challengers from George Russell, who was in third. And then the Mercedes lockout of three and four happened around um, – after maybe that virtual safety car, Lewis was able to pit around some people. Vettel um, had a lockup that caused him to – Um, fall behind a recently passed Lewis Hamilton and do I have to mention it one of the coolest 180s to keep you in a race
1: is Sebastian Vettel the best like spin turner on the grid they mentioned it on the broadcast he does it all the time too
0: he pulled right out and literally saved his race
1: oh yeah absolutely he was he was he he might've not gotten back on that track. And if he didn't get back in when he did, he was most certainly out of the points. He would have had a ton of drivers pass him, but yeah, an amazing, an amazing save there. Um, It's amazing what the Mercedes did in this race, given the, the porpoising or the bouncing issues that they've been having. We talked about, I, f- I forget which race it was. It wasn't Monaco, maybe it was Spain, that they'd fixed the problems with their car. They have not fixed the problems with their car. They're they're just as bad as ever, which makes it even more amazing that George Russell's doing what he's doing and that they were able to take a three-four in this race. I mentioned earlier that I was disappointed with my fifth place in Pierre Gasly. And like I said, if you told me before the race he took P5, I would be ecstatic with that result. But given the fact that Lewis Hamilton decided to – Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes' team did take the virtual safety car pit and Pierre didn't, and ultimately the reason why he finishes P5 instead of P4 is – solely because Lewis Hamilton's on better tires than he is. That's why I'm disappointed with the P5. He could have easily finished P4 in this race.
0: Yeah, I have to agree with you only because the Vettel lock up and then uh, spin out cost him two, three spots maybe. And now I could have maybe snuck out with a fourth place finish from Sebastian Vettel or, you know, same thing with Gasly in that sense. Um, Somebody did take Lewis Hamilton this week and was rewarded for that. But... Really after Lewis passed Pierre, Pierre wasn't in striking distance of Vettel. Vettel overtook Alonzo at one point there in the last 20 laps. Yuki Sonoda was running right around in seventh, uh, maybe sixth at one point. Had to come in because his DRF, DRS wing just split in half. Literally they, in half. Uh, literally in half, they had to come out and duct tape it which was uh, pretty phenomenal. I had a few questions on that. Um, what are they using? And my great response was duct tape. That's It magic. certainly
1: looked like duct tape. If it, it is, wasn't, it certainly it, looked like it. Oh, no,
0: I'm sure they have a, a very um, technical, uh, scientific name for it. But, no, it is, it's just duct tape. Uh, just making a quick repair and trying to get them back on there. So, unfortunately, he did not uh, finish where he might have uh, – Weren't that not the issue, but uh Yuki Tsunoda coming in was basically the only thing that really happened there at the end. Um Ricardo and Norris really went at it over radio um and on the track at times. It seems they didn't get too out of hand, but it was a hot topic for the McLaren duo um, in eighth, ninth. But at that point, who really cares? You're in eighth and ninth.
1: Yeah, no, that was funny, though, like in the beginning of the race, Daniel saying he has more pace than Lando and towards the end of the race, Lando saying that he has more pace than than Daniel going back and forth, then basically saying at the end that they were returning the favor by letting Daniel stay in front and Lando was like, well this is for a finishing position. Like, this is different.
0: I thought it was a oh, very yeah.
1: funny exchange.
0: Oh, definitely. It was, Um, I enjoyed it. And it's good to see that both of those uh, drivers care about those points and really do want to finish. They both kind of alluded to it uh, in uh, post-race interviews that, who cares, we're fighting for eighth instead of ninth. That means nothing, but... We're both super competitive guys, and even if that's my teammate, even if that's my buddy, I'm still going to go out there and want to overtake him to try to maximize my points. Even on the last lap, it seemed like Lando was really giving it a go. But they still weren't going to catch on Lonzo in um, Sector 3. The Alpine was absolutely flying. They just have the top straight line speed there, um, probably in the field after um, the Red Bulls. The Alpines really just have that straight line speed, and um, it's going to come into play next week, probably in Canada. So it was good to see Fernando Alonso continuing his uh, hot streak of posting some points here. Espan Alcon finishes on the points because of the Yuki Sonoda but wing, so they salvaged some points for the Alpine to continue to uh, stay relevant in that midfield race
1: you know what, Frank, I really like this track. I didn't remember it all that much, but looking back on it, it's like, it has all of the great racing elements you want to see out of a good race. Plus all of the like cool hair type tight stuff that you see at Monaco, but still gives you the ability to actually race on it. This, this is a really cool, really cool track. And I'm going to be looking forward to this one next year.
0: Okay, Mike, um, I just want to throw it to you. Any final thoughts on the Azerbaijan Grand Prix? Uh, it,
1: it was a great race. I think that's my final those are my final notes. Obviously, Ferrari Power units having a, a really hard time. We'll talk about what that means for the next couple of races coming forward with the guys who need to replace those. Um, just some, I guess, final things that we didn't necessarily talk about yet. Not that it really matters, but Nicholas Latifi had to take a 10-second penalty off the start of the race for uh, a start infraction. Basically, uh, there was a a pit worker who was working on his car within 15 seconds of the start. But when we say working on the car, he had to push Nicholas Latifi's car back to the correct start position. So he had to take a 10-second penalty um, basically on lap one. Uh, I saw something, or I, I should say I heard something during the broadcast that they were talking about the FIA potentially needing to step in and like make Mercedes change the design of their car for like driver safety purposes. I thought that was very interesting. I don't really know what's going to come out of that, but kind of like the, uh, FIA version of concussion protocol, like their car's bouncing so much that the FIA might need to step in and bring in engineers to help Mercedes fix their problems. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, also, did you
0: see the, uh, I think it was either Toto or Christian in the post race say that the only driver out of the 19 to not complain about porpoising and it actually being like a driver of safety issue is Fernando Alonso.
1: No, I didn't. I didn't. They're see just
0: that. like, they're just like his neck's too strong just 42 <laughs> years of this. Like,
1: yeah. O- on that, Fernando Alonso, I believe, with this start today, has now raced in more Grand Prix than anyone in F1 history. I forget the number that they said, but that is definitely a milestone worth mentioning.
0: Yeah, he's um, uh, the longevity man. He's the cowrook of F1.
1: One more note, uh, Kevin Magnuson had to play steward uh, once his uh, car was retired. He had to push it back and he was viciously calling for the stewards to like come get his car. He was stopping it from rolling onto the track, which was great. And a, a surprising omission from the Ferrari team. No more mission win now hats they're gone.
0: Well, they certainly aren't winning now. All right. So with the, um the exciting uh, Red Bull lockout of the one, two again, as I mentioned, the Mercedes three, four grabs more points and leads to, Mercedes being only 38 points behind Ferrari, Red Bull now taking a commanding 80-point lead on the Ferrari. It seems like the battle now shifts from in the constructor standings to Mercedes and Ferrari for the second spot as Red Bull pulls away uh, in similar fashion for the driver standings, Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez remain atop, followed by Charles Leclerc, who is, is separated by Max Verstappen, by 34 points. Um, Nothing is impossible. This is certainly not the end of the season. As we saw earlier, uh, Charles had quite a commanding lead on Max. But what do you think coming out of um, Azerbaijan? How do you feel about Max and the uh, Red Bulls?
1: Kind of surprisingly, if you think back to the beginning of the season, we covered this on our last podcast, but they're the most consistent team on the track right now which is great as a as a Red Bull fan. Um, it's going to be really interesting. Um, if you look at the standings, one Max DNF and one Sergio Perez win and the standings flip. And Sergio Perez is your leader in the Drivers' Championship, which is interesting. I don't think we're going to necessarily see that situation play out or anything happen from that, but it is very interesting that Sergio is so close to Max um, in the Drivers' Championship. So, I mean, from a Red Bull perspective, it's great. Um, my other adopted team that I took on this season, though, is very, very disappointing uh, to me. In the McLarens, I once stated that they were looking like the third best car on the grid, and ever since then, it feels like I've I've put a put a hex on them, and they are slowly but surely. Uh, Less and less reliable still in fourth in the constructors championship, and they'll probably hold that position just because what else is behind them that's going to catch them.
0: Yeah, unless uh, unless some major changes come. I mean, it's still only a third through the season. So we do have a long way to go uh, through all this and who knows what can happen. Um, especially if uh, some FIA uh, changes are allowed, whether that be on the budget cap or on the ride height in these cars. Uh, you knows who can find pace. I'm ready to call it. I think it's done already. I think today just showed um, and kind of put a uh, a stamp on where I think this is headed in a Red Bull um, dominant. Constructors win and uh, Max Verstappen is eventually just going to pull away here from Sergio Perez. Uh, he's driven his ass off um, in Sergio to produce a place a third into the season where we think he actually has a legitimate shot at the driver's championship. And statistically, he does. I just think Max will just continue to dominate in race pace. He's just, he's a gamer and that's what he's there for. I'm also ready to call that this Mercedes fight could, it shows you how bad Ferrari can be and just what the ceiling currently is in the Mercedes. They just can't do anything. George Russell has not finished outside the top five in any race this season. It's incredible. He's also not gone higher than third. Crazy. And he won't. It just seems that he won't, barring some crazy circumstances, because we do have to remember in all of this, Max does have, what, two to three DNFs. Charles and um, Carlos have a ton of DNFs now. So in any of this, we wouldn't be talking about the mercedes as three four options and three two options in the constructors but because of all these dnfs their three fours really should be five sixes six sevens but they're just they're showing that their consistency and their reliability of being out on track and maintaining some some semblance of a decent car at least speed wise that they can um finish races on
1: yeah no i I mean to be honest frank i don't think i'm ready to make that call yet i i think one of the notes that i had coming out of this race is that, I mean, very clearly Mercedes has not fixed their porpoising issues. They've not fixed the issues with the bouncing in the car. But once they do, like, everybody better fucking watch out. (laughs) In all all seriousness, though, I I think I'm not ready to say that George isn't going to win a race this year because I think he has the talent to. And if they are able to make the adjustments that they need to make, whether they have the finances or not, whatever ends up coming out of it. I, I think he has the talent. And if he has the car, he'll able to, he's able to do it. I think the last note that I want to call you said you were calling some things I want to call it. And again, I think everybody knows by this point, I'm not the biggest fan of, of Lewis Hamilton, but he's a second driver on this team now.
0: So we'll go into uh, one of our questions that was submitted and will Hamilton make up for false points this season? And And no. There's, I don't think there's any way he can do this, barring any major change in their Mercedes, and even then, I still think he can't compete with George Russell currently. Um, maybe that's a whole different story once we get there, but once they do find pace, now they become racers against four other drivers on any given first lap of any Grand Prix in the Ferraris and the Red Bulls, and with, adding six competitive cars and six great drivers just leads to more problems and more hard racing which is great for all of us but it's mm-hmm. not going to be great for Lewis Hamilton so no um he will not make up those points and yes he will be the second driver on this team for the remainder of 2022
1: yeah and that's the key point for the remainder of 2022 i want to be fair here this is really i'm making this call for like this season like oh, lewis definitely. can come back better than ever in 2023 but for this season lewis is the number two driver on
0: mercedes yeah agreed all right um we will go right into our pool recap here after the azerbaijan grand prix as i stated earlier uh fernando alonso and pierre Gasly were the two most selected drivers uh we saw sebastian bettel be picked by myself and another Pool mate, um, I saw maybe a Daniel Ricciardo in there, uh, two Max Verstappens and two wins. Um I know Gino had one of them and maybe uh, Liam, I'm not sure who had the second, but two great picks uh, taking the risk here to take a major name with the DNF woes that this track has had to come out and it's really paid for June, uh, Gino who now has uh, two wins in a row having Sergio last week. I will run down our top 10. Sean Hutton remains in the lead with 101 points. Liam Callahan moves up to second. Nick Sorillo falling to third. Corey Cook in fourth. Tom Ricardi, our former first place holder, dropping down to fifth. Michael O'Burn in sixth with a strong showing this week. Gino, as I said earlier, on two wins, is now jumped from basically last um, up to eighth or to seventh. Excuse me. I'm in eighth. Evan in ninth, and uh, my cousin Charlene in 10th, uh, followed by Dan and uh, a few others were in the 60-point uh, range. It was an interesting week for the pool. Um, we're starting to see things shake out where um, people have the opportunity to make these calls and take max and get those points. Um, and we're starting to see uh, some strategy flip for the second half of the pool, maybe the lower half of the pool where they're taking their um, studs. What we will get into this week, pool-wise, Mike said something earlier about Ferrari power issues. I am going to go into some regulations. The biggest regulation here will be a power unit. A power unit is exactly what you think. It is what powers the car. um, Some would call a motor, I believe. Uh, Now that they're uh, hybrid vehicles, um, they refer to them as power units. You are allowed to have three power units this year over 22 races, that is the FIA regulation. It was two or three races ago, Fernando Alonso had to take his fourth power unit to add it to his car. That results in a 10-place grid penalty. As Mike said, the Ferrari power unit powers multiple cars on the grid. There are the Red Bull Honda power, there is the Ferrari power, there is a Mercedes power, and uh Alpine is using Renault power um, as they are their former team and an an engine developer. So different teams use these four major power units. So once teams take over their fourth power unit, when they take their fourth power unit, that means they're going to take a 10 place grid penalty. This is something to pay attention to because no matter where that person qualifies, they will immediately go down 10 spots and start the race from there. So if you had Charles Leclerc on pole, he would then move to 11th and start the race there. This is something that you can pay attention to. You can do some research on your own. I saw a pretty cool graphic that I sent to Mike that showed everybody it was color coded on who's taken um, what power units and uh, what issues they've had with the car that may result in penalty, but it's going to be something that you're gonna to wanna to pay attention to, especially if uh, Charles might have to take a power unit this week and it might, uh, it might cause him to take a uh, penalty.
1: Yeah, no, it's fair. And for everybody out there, it's like, what the hell is Frank talking about? This I, I knew weird penalties were a thing um, as far as F1 is concerned, but I was very uneducated on them until the morning when I text Frank. I said, hey, how do I figure out if somebody's going to take a penalty or not? Um, and he was kind enough to send over uh, some, some Twitter posts from somebody he follows uh, in the F1 world the individuals who have already used three power units coming into this week were Daniel Ricardo, Esteban Akan, uh, Pierre Gasly, Valtteri Botas, and Mick Schumacher. So those were the individuals who have already taken three power units. The reason why I reached out to Frank initially is because I wanted to take Pierre Gasly and I was like, uh, is this guy going to take a grid penalty or not? But obviously had a better result.
0: The aforementioned Alonzo is already taking his fourth power unit, so he's already in penalty status. Anytime he takes a new power unit, he will get a 10-place grid penalty. Definitely something to, uh, to keep an eye on as we will see um, what we will be calling penalty season coming in here in the uh, middle third. Super important. Pay attention
1: because if you don't, you you might end up taking somebody who you see in free practice that's has the pace and then you wake up on Saturday or you wake up on Sunday morning and they're like, whoops, they had to take a 10 place grid penalty.
0: All right, Mike, that'll do it for our race and pool recap. We will move right in here to the uh, Canadian Grand Prix preview. The Grand Prix will take place in Montreal. It is 70 laps. Uh, Looks like it's gonna be a quick circuit here at about um, a minute 13. Per lap, only fourteen corners, two DRS zones. Um, a couple of very long straights here. Canada is going to play very quickly. It doesn't have too many corners, so expect teams to really show um exactly what they showed in Azerbaijan. It's it's a uh, a speed track. If you were the last time we were in Canada was twenty nineteen um, due to COVID regulations. So uh, our top three were Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel, and Charles Leclerc. Um, I'm not sure. Is that, I guess, both Leclerc and Vettel were probably racing Ferrari at that point, and Lewis Hamilton gets the win. I've played around on the game a little bit uh, today to kind of get a feel for the track. The most notable turn will be the last turn right before you get to uh, the checkered flag. It is a very long straight followed by a quick right-left turn, one of those little chicanes that just forces everybody to slow down and then really just step on the gas and head uh, to the checker flag and into turn one where we still should see some action. Uh, right after that, you get the two DRS zones that will allow for some high speeds and you'll see uh, maybe some overtaking opportunities leading out of there. Like we won't go uh, too much into... What to expect in Canada? Um, as we haven't been there since 2019, and this will be uh, two totally different cars since then. What do you think of Canada uh, pool wise? Where do you think you're going to go here?
1: It's a quick turnaround. I I've used a lot of hashtag big names only, so I might uh I might take the uh, Canadian nationalist route and take Nicholas Latifi or Lance Stroll just because like fuck it, I got to take someone. Yeah, I mean. Obviously I'll pay attention to free practice to see if anybody stands out that I normally wouldn't take, but like think may finish with some points, maybe squeaking a P 10 or a nine or something like that. But I think off the bat, I'm just, I, I might just throw, I might just throw this one and, and go Latifi or Stroll.
0: Here as well. Um, I don't know if I will go on the lower end. I don't really have, I, I can't foresee myself taking a wild card here. Uh, maybe, Some crazy circumstances will lead me to selecting more of a top driver or continuing to search in the midfield, as Mike mentioned about kind of figuring out that midfield and how it seems in practice and seeing if I could get Gasly on a hot streak again. I will say just from what I have seen, I think this is once again a Red Bull dominant track. Uh, The speed down the straight lines is going to be important here. You'll see another Alpine really do well here in qualifying, I imagine. The story will be, can the Ferrari reliability hold up? And if uh, there are any grid penalties that have to be taken, it will uh, certainly be a big storyline heading into the race. With the race being this upcoming weekend, uh, let me pull up the schedule real fast for the Canadian Grand Prix. Uh, You'll obviously have free practice one and two on Friday. Friday, June 17th, free practice one and two will take place at 2 p.m. Eastern and 5 p.m. Eastern on June 18th on Saturday. Free practice 3 will take place at 1 o'clock. And then qualifying and all picks will need to be submitted by 5 o'clock on Saturday. The race will take place at 2 o'clock on Sunday the 19th. Make sure you have all your picks in, make sure you do all your homework, especially, as I said, on duplicates. Again, this will be another big week to uh, make sure uh, we're getting stuff out. I will be in Boston on a bachelor party, so I don't know how much uh, texting I will be doing around two o'clock. I imagine I'll be sending in a lot of traffic trying to get my ass home for Father's Day. All right, Mike, that will do it for our, re- our preview of the Canadian Grand Prix. Uh, we'll close out the episode here. I think that the F1 season may be taking a turn towards dominance. That doesn't mean the pool will not remain interesting. That's the reason why I thought about adding the pool was to kind of keep your interest if this got out of hand at one point. So any takeaways um, moving forward into Canada and uh, beyond?
1: No, I, I mean, I don't think we necessarily learned anything from this week. Um it was obviously a really unfortunate situation we, as we've mentioned many times for really anybody running a Ferrari power unit, definitely pay attention to who makes upgrades and replaces their power units going into next week in Canada. It is a quick turnaround and you don't want to get caught with your, uh, with your pants down, taking somebody who's going to take a grid penalty. Yeah. I, I don't think we necessarily learned anything. If anything, this just made to your point earlier, things, much more clear from both a driver's championship and constructors championship standpoint. So hopefully you save some big names for the pool.
0: All right, Mike, um once again this is at the F six oh nine signing off your commissioner, Mr. Frank Skurjewski. We appreciate you uh giving us a listen, a follow, a like, a subscribe or review, anything you guys can offer to uh boost up the podcast. We love it here. Mike, any final things to say? Anything to plug on the way out?
1: Shout out Roy, Rory, Rory McIlroy, the Amigos, Frank, Sean Hutton and myself playing a uh, season long golf pool. We've been in 650th place of 700 people in this pool for a very long time. Shout out Rory, Rory McElroy for getting us our first win this week. We're going to get another win next week at the U.S. Open and we're going to keep building up wins. We're finishing in the money, Frank. Vamos Amigos.
0: That will wrap it up as always, like a guy trying to get to the bar in a packed house. Push, push.
1: Push, push, F. Sean, if you're listening this long, I want the Amigos to be better. Please, please reach out to me.
0: Ah, it's I'm devastated. I'm absolutely devastated.
1: Are, are you going to tell me what happened now? No,
0: no way. He has to tell you.
1: All right, I'll talk to him about it. I feel deceived. Lie, cheated to. A hoodwink.